This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and on today's show, we're talking about money gurus and the lies they tell. Well, I'm not lying when I say we've got a great list of contributors to help us today. First, from Mama Fish Saves, we welcome Chelsea Brennan. From this podcast, say hello to OG. And from LenPenzo.com, it's that Yeti on the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special. No, I'm just kidding. He had a toothache. It's just Len Penzo. But that's not all. The team will answer a call for help from the Magnify Money Line right after we check out the new Moolah app with creator Eric Redline. And now, the guy who's dialing up another weekend of board games and root beer... Joe Saucy High. Oh, the root beer is going to be flowing here in the basement this weekend. We get crazy here. Welcome to another weekend kickoff episode of Stacky Benjamins. I am Joe Saucy High, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me today, like he is most Fridays, it's Mr. OG. How are you, man? I am present. That's that is how I am. <laughs> That's here. the extent of your excitement. Present. Nice. Well, I hope you can bring it. Do I not always? Well, I don't know. Jerry's out. We'll see about that. Well, here's a guy that can bring it. Underneath the, uh, somewhere underneath Los Angeles, it's Mr. Len Penzo. Hey, doesn't that Yeti have a name? Uh, isn't that Yeti? <laughs> it's Bumble, right? I don't know if the Yeti has a name. <laughs> He's a Bumble. Bumble's bounce. But... <laughs> Like my checks. <laughs> I'm just wondering when they dig that hyperloop, Len, what are you going to do with your bunker? You know what? That would be awesome. He could terminate the hyperloop. Are you talking about uh, the uh, boring company? Musk's yeah. uh, boring company yeah. thing? I yeah, thought it would terminate it right there, in, uh, right there in my bunker. I thought it was That'd a pretty awesome. Sounds like a terrible thing to say to somebody. You should not repeat that out loud. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought it was a pretty exciting company, Len. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. oh, the jokes here are right, fantastic. This is already starting to go downhill. Wondering why she's here all the way from Boston, from Smart Money Mamas. It's our good friend, Chelsea Brennan. Aren't you happy you're here with Dad Joke Friday? Oh, yeah. More excited than OG sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know if he's going to bring it, but we know you're going to bring it. So how are you? We're good. Uh, been a little crazy. We my. Youngest just turned one, and we rebranded the site a month or so ago, but things are good. Yeah, we were kind of down with uh, Mama Fish Saves here half, Smart Money Mamas half, but you changed the site, so tell everybody what goes on at Smart Money Mamas. So we've brought in a lot more voices. We're telling more money stories directly from moms, and we're trying to let more moms kind of see themselves in financial advice, so it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome, and of course, we'll link to it on our show notes page at Stacky Benjamins. Dot com. But we've got we got some fun today. We're going to talk about, oh, gee, we're going to talk about money gurus. You mean other than you and me? Uh, well, other than Chelsea and Len, you mean. Oh, okay. Well, them too. You mean they other than come. Chelsea? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess we should have left it at Chelsea, shouldn't we have? Uh, Chelsea, you ever listen to any audiobooks? I do. Because 
I got a good one for you. Thanks to Audible and the new Audible original Power Moves for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Power Moves by Adam Grant's available and you can get it free when you sign up for a free Audible trial at audible.com slash sbpower or text sbpower to 500-500. I'm sure Chelsea's writing that down. <laughs> Thanks. Also. Well, I already have an Audible account, so I guess I can't get it for free. Well, well, well you got to use one of your credits on it because I've already been listening to this stuff. It's fantastic. It it I love hearing about leaders and how they deal with power. I also like writing well. Chelsea, you like writing well. I do. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting Stacking Benjamins. <laughs> Grammarly's a, I can turn anything into a segue. Grammarly's a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com slash SB to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. You know what's funny, OG? Somebody sent me an email yesterday, one of our fun listeners, and said, and by the way, I corrected all the mistakes on this email with Grammarly. I saw that. That was, that was fantastic. Yeah. Well, we can't correct all the mistakes we're about to make on this podcast. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so we might as well get started making them. Let's get the party going. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. Our headline today comes to us from Christine, what do you think, Lucan? Luckin? L-U-K-E-N. Oh, the long U. I, I'd I'll, say it's Lucan. I'm going to go with Lucan. Uh, the financial lifeguard. Five lies money gurus tell you. Christine writes, you might be avoiding your financial issues because of the lies money gurus tell you. Maybe you think that rescuing your financial dignity is going to be the equivalent of crawling across broken glass rather than the amazing adventure that it is. Here are the four lies money gurus tell you and the real truth about rescuing your financial dignity once and for all. I thought we'd just take these in order. She says, lie number one, you need to budget to make yourself behave with money. Chelsea, we'll start with you because you're the guest. Do you think a lot of gurus out there talking about you need a budget to make yourself behave? I think a lot of people talk about budgeting as a great place to start and understand where you're spending. But I love that she goes into the truth is just a budget with a different name. <laughs> right. <laughs> she still recommends budgeting. Just call it something else. Yeah, we call it a prosperity plan. Len, what's your prosperity plan? It was interesting. She mentions the prosperity plan, but she doesn't really say so much what it is. If, if you're going to ask me what my prosperity plan is, I think the closest thing, if I'm following her, it's my strategic, long-term strategic plan. So when I was younger, I did have a budget to try and keep me on balance, you know, keep as a guide to keep my spending in check. But I had also have a long-term strategic plan which we laid out our big ticket purchases over maybe a 10-year period. It was kind of like – and it would be every year we'd look at it and, and revise it. We still do to this day. So maybe that's what she's talking about as a prosperity plan, maybe a more longer-term, a big-picture look. That's all I can guess, Joe, because she doesn't explain what a prosperity plan is. Ochi, were you going to say something? I'm assuming you're going to ask me to say something in a second. So I have all sorts of stuff all ready to go. I just saw you nodding. I was waiting for this. All right. I'm participating. All right. Good. This is my A game. (laughs) I'm I'm trying hard not to go on Twitter right now. I'm paying attention. I'm engaged. And then I get mocked for being engaging. I like this idea, Len. Of of the big rocks, of looking at the big rocks in your life and not just all the pebbles. Yeah, well, you. she's talking about motivation. And those big rocks are what, you know, especially earlier on when money was a lot tighter, those big rocks and, and were, were goals to shoot for. If that can't motivate you, I don't know what does to save, to, to spend wisely for those big, big ticket items. So, yeah, I, you know, that's I think everybody should be looking at that because otherwise, if you're just looking at budgeting, which is really just your day to day living expenses and, you know, things can get very monotonous, mundane and you have nothing to shoot for. Right. So and let's face it, one thing about money is, you know, money is is a way to enjoy life as well. But uh, you got to learn how to collect that money over time and do it wisely. So, oh, well, Len, do you think a lot of gurus are telling people to budget without a goal in mind to just budget for the sake of budgeting? Uh, well, I, I think that's the budget. Everybody, I think everybody says almost all these gurus will say, go, Hey, you got to have a budget or at least you should start if you're having trouble. So uh, I do believe there are quite a few people out there that, that will say yes, budget. And they don't talk about goals at all. They'll say, what's your income? What's your outgo? 
um, and make sure that your spending doesn't exceed your uh, income. And that's it. So, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that just say that and they don't talk about goals. That's a good point, OG. The goals really drive the budget. Like without the goals, who cares about the budget? Well, I don't even like the word budget to begin with. You like prosperity like, plan. Yeah, prosperity plan. It's like it's like a <laughs> diet, you know, and we use it in such a negative connotation like, well, I'd love to, but I'm on a diet. Oh, I can't. I'm on my I'm on a budget, you know, like like it's some kind of bad thing as opposed to just thinking about it from a different perspective. While it's still, t- I guess, technically the same thing. I think it's a little different when you're in control and you're saying, OK, here's here's you know, it's it's March 1st. Here's where I'm choosing to spend my money for the next uh, month and think about it more of a spending plan. And I'm kind of with Len on this. After you get your stuff funded, you know, once you're thinking about retirement or you're thinking about your financial goals, after that, it's okay to kind of let off the gas on tracking every dime. You know, I'm a big fan of just, you know, if you put it all on one credit card or something like that, I know what the bill should be every month. And if it gets close to that and it's not the end of the month, well, you know, now we got to let off the gas a little bit. We don't get to go out to dinner this week or something. So, I'll Going every other, dime just gets kind of a little crazy. I'll take the other side of that. I think it's personality-based, which you need to do long-term. We've been tracking every dollar spent for nine years. And the reason for that is I used to have major, major spending anxiety. Like even buying something for 20 bucks would give me total freak out. But the budget gives me freedom to spend. I like know the money's there. I'm comfortable with it. And it doesn't feel restrictive. It feels permissive. Do you have like then, Chelsea, do you have like a every dollar or a YNAB type budget, a zero-sum budget? YNAB since my first internship. Was it really? Yep. I was back when it was on desktop. I've been using it forever. That's awesome. For people that don't know about that type of budgeting, because we just used a bunch of jargon there, tell everybody what type of budgeting that is. So YNAB is based a little bit off the old cash envelope system where you give every dollar a job and you split it out with only the cash you have in hand. So you don't project your budget. You just budget what money is currently in your bank account and you budget until every dollar has a role. And then you track every expense. So we've been doing that for for years now. How do you get fun in that budget? Yeah. So we each, my husband and I each have personal spending accounts. We have date night budget. Uh, We have a vacation budget, like a sinking fund for vacation every year. Sinking fund is a YNAB thing of like funding it just for intermittent expenses. You divide it out by the number of months and and add it every month till it adds up, Um, which is great for people who often get caught by like irregular expenses. Like, hey, I only owe my auto insurance every six months and every six months it surprises me. The system works really well for them. Well, and you've got kids. It's those those damn birthday parties. I swear when my kids were were young, they get invited to some random birthday party and next thing you know, I'm out a bunch of money. I just read recently that the average price of a birthday present when kids go to these birthday parties is like $31. That's got to add up. You had two birthday parties in a weekend. It's insane. Len used to have his kids when they were, when they were young, bring like a a pet rock from the yard. (laughs) Yeah, but we turned it into a party thing. What we did is we said we put some paint on the kitchen table and let all the kids paint the rock. So it kind of killed two birds with one stone. Did you bring it a party hat? Oh, nobody oh. even got that. <laughs> no, no. Just let it go across. Just let it go across the plate. Man. It wasn't. I was. Oh, I. I you didn't give I was it. Looking at. You didn't give I it. No reaction. You didn't give it time to sink in. Just had to leave it out there a little longer. Yeah. 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 yeah you, then you know what happened after everybody got their pet rock. Then Len and all the kids played the floor is lava, as the game. Right. <laughs> Yes. No. Sure. Whatever you say, Joe. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, number <laughs> number two here. Follow this exact formula and get these results. Oh, gee, you see a lot of gurus doing that. You got to follow my ABC plan. See a lot of people who are selling courses do that. I've noticed this a lot lately on Facebook, especially maybe it's just the community, but a lot of Facebook real estate stuff you know, videos, courses, come to my seminar. I'll show you the 10 ways to do this esoteric way of buying. I, I just, so it seems like there's always, there's always somebody that's got something to sell. I'm not sure that it's as boring as follow this process. When somebody has a dog in the hunt, I think that you can marketing spin that pretty quickly into follow these exact five steps and you too can, you know, Yeah, but let me ask this, Chelsea. 
They say that the problem isn't the individual diet. If you're going to follow a diet, the problem is, is, as you know, people skip from diet to diet to diet to diet to diet. So wouldn't I rather have somebody follow my exact 10 steps because I know that those 10 steps work instead of jumping from guru to guru to guru to, you know, use it like a buffet? I think the problem is a lot of gurus assume everyone else's lives look like theirs and don't have their diff, don't have different money blocks, don't have different budget issues, don't have different demands. And yeah, maybe their exact steps will work, but there's also points where that's just not going to, it's going to completely shut some people down. So not opening up, like what's the strategy, not just the exact steps, like what's the meaning behind it? People get stuck. Len, I've, uh, I've never seen on lenpenzo.com a direct one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. No, you haven't. And you never will, Joe. But can I, can I address one thing on here is, is where she says money management isn't really about math. It's emotional. Well, Actually, it is about math, and you've got to make sure that, as we mentioned before, you spend less than you earn. I mean, that's math. Now, I get it. She says it's emotional, and she says scientists have recently proved that humans make decisions emotionally, not logically, but now she's a victim of her own line number two where she's putting everybody in the same boat. Not everybody makes decisions emotionally. A lot of people make logical decisions. But she has this so, example, Len. Her example is Kate and Betsy both overspend on restaurants. Yep. Most money gurus would give both women the same advice, maybe to use cash instead of a debit or credit card, without exploring why they're overspending. So she's talking okay. about lead with a why, which has nothing to do with the math. Well, I get that, but it's still a math problem. So maybe you've got to explain to Kate and uh, Betsy that it's a math problem. And I, you know, I realize you might have different reasons for overspending, but you have to understand the math. You, you won't under, overspend if you understand it's a math problem. You see what I'm saying? So maybe I'm thinking of the, looking at this too logically. <laughs> you well, answer. I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think if all of this just boiled down to math, we'd all be millionaires. So I, I think there's maybe a smidge of emotional or well, not everybody can, not everybody's right. going to earn a million dollars in their, in their lifetime. Right. So I just read I an mean, article that somebody said, if you saved a dollar every day from the time you were born and you turned 66 today, you'd have a million dollars. If you put that dollar in the S and P 500 instead, if you waited until starting it at age 10, so really not that far, right? 56 years instead of 66 years, you have $480,000. Over yep. that same time period. Yeah, I've, so, I've seen the same thing. Yeah. So if it's just mathematics, then everybody and their brother would just say, well, it's a dollar. You know, well, I can, wait, now you're talking about, but you're talking about investing versus overspending, right? And she's talking about overspending. Overspending yeah. is not rocket science. It's quite simple. You don't overspend. You don't spend more than you earn. Yeah, but there's right? a, but I, <laughs> I, have, I have very personal experience that suggests that it's not a, that that is not a math issue. <laughs> well, okay, but, but it is. It's it's a math. It's math. Well, it, no, but I think the engineer in me that's just it's. I, you're looking at it. It's a math problem, but right. But Chelsea, don't you think there's a middle ground where you you need to get at the emotion first to get to the math problem that Len's talking about? There's so many, yeah, there's so many emotional blocks. There's so many learned things, especially from like financial behaviors from your parents that you've watched for 20 years. Like, yeah, you can explain budgeting to somebody. It's, it's addition and subtraction. The math is easy. It's the emotional part and getting over the the habits. That's the hard part. They're both, they both matter, but the habits are hard. I will say this though, Len, that sometimes when I was a financial planner and, and OG, tell me if you, I'm sure you do this too. Uh, Probably not. I would take out my calculator and the best way to affect somebody's emotion is show them the math of how badly they screwed themselves with the last thing. Like show them the direct result on my calculator of this is how much we messed up last time. Do we want to do that again? And once I showed them the math, this thing they thought was a little problem and then they found right. out it was really compounded was a big fat problem. They weren't as likely to make that move again. Yeah. Look, I'm with you. Look, if, if some people can't think logically, they think emotionally. If they if that's the case, then yeah, then you got to go to plan B, right? But there's not everybody thinks that way. There are people who take things logically. I'm one of them. There's I know lots At of least engineers. Another one. 
lots of engineers who are have they're robots. They they think logically, and you know that's just how they handle things. My point is not everybody has to be handled emotionally. There's a lot of people that can. You show them a math problem, a simple math problem, and they the light will go on. My uh, neighbor is an engineer and an ex Navy sub nuclear sub officer, and he is in massive debt, and I can't get him to understand budgeting, no matter how many times I explain it to him. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if they're all so black and white. No, it's not. No, it's not. But I'm just saying there are people who are logical. My my point Part is, there's not everybody is emotional. <laughs> Part of it, which also go, but getting away from the Navy. In all fair disclosure, you know, because Chelsea's like, whoa, that was a shot across the bow. Oh. <laughs> I, I was a Marine, so I get to say that. Chelsea. My yeah. uh, uncle was a general in the Air Force, so he has similar feelings about the Navy. Yeah, okay. I had an uncle that was in the Air Force, too. Yeah, direct your hate mail to OG at stackingbudgements.com <laughs> at Chelsea. We haven't even got to the Army yet. Smart Money Mamas. Let's go on to number three. Before uh, everybody's before Len explodes. <laughs> Ex- oh, I won't explode. No, I'm I'm absolutely sure. fine. You're logically not going to explode. <laughs> Exercise your willpower to, to save money and get out of debt. Not I, I actually had a personal issue with this one. I was on stage at FinCon interviewing David Bach, and I said to David Bach, "It's all you know. Staying away from lattes is all about willpower, isn't it?" And he's like, "It's not about willpower at all. It's about systems." It's about taking the money out of your hand. It's all about systems. Chelsea? I, the willpower's got to be part of sticking to those systems. Uh, <laughs> once they're rolling, it's good. But you read like Atomic Habits, which I'm forgetting the author right now. He talks about uh, when you're setting up systems, you got to make it the easiest path because otherwise that willpower willpower's hard. Yeah, James Clear. James Clear. There yes. you go. <laughs> uh, OG, willpower versus systems. My favorite quote about this has to do with uh, it says something to the effect of, you are 100% disciplined to your existing set of habits. So you're already really disciplined to things. You already have really strong willpower with certain things. Now you just have to establish a different set of willpowers or a different set of, of habits to change. And I'm with Chelsea on this one. You've got to be able to make this the easiest thing in the world because if you put 15 layers of complexity in between you and getting it done, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Len, I want to skip to number four because we're running out of time. Uh, cut up your credit cards to keep from overspending, she says, is a lie. Well, I think it definitely helps some people if they don't have the willpower. And those credit cards could be a big temptation, right? But that that being said, you could put that cash in your wallet then. And it, it that tends to go easily, too, if you've got the cash in your wallet. So that kind of goes back up to number three again. It all depends on your willpower. So, and everybody's different. This is, like I said, this personal finance really cracks me up is everybody's different. So none of these rules can apply to everybody. Do you think Chelsea that let's just go to the heart of the article. Do you think that gurus are liars or it's popular to say that gurus are liars? I don't think they're liars. I think they tell the story that they know. And once again, it's personal and and it's not going to apply to everybody, but I don't think anyone's out there intentionally lying to consumers on how to how to get better with their own finances. Oh, gee, would you hear like a money guru, uh, Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, David Bach, whoever? Uh, I love all those people. They're my peeps. <laughs> you think there's some you think there's some lying going on there? Oh, no, 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 not lying. Uh, that's that's a pretty strong word. I think that everybody is really good at the thing that they're really good at. And those people that you mentioned there in particular, and certainly there's hundreds of other examples, know that they're really good at the thing that they're really good at and have done consistently well for themselves and for their businesses. And they continue to do really well for a lot of people. You know, the we, we will say like, uh, you know, a Dave Ramsey or something like that, his ardent disdain for credit cards, you know. Now, he may or may not actually believe that to his core. But it served him so well that there is no chance that that dude's pulling out an American Express card anywhere. Like, it's just not going to happen. No matter, you know, if he spends $30 million a year, he could be getting 30 or 50 million membership award points and have $500,000 a year free travel. That's what I would do. But he's he's reaching a certain group of people that are his people. And he's doing a, a lot of good work for those people, just like Susie Orman and just like David Bach and, and all of the other people that you mentioned there. So... I think where it gets into trouble is when someone says, 
my way is the only way that works. And that way is the, the incorrect way. It's like, there's a lot of people who became wealthy and successful using David Box method. And a lot of people with Susie Orman's method and a lot of people, you know, following your financial planning advice. So there's no specific way to do it. It's unique to you individually. I'd love, though, to see like a YouTube video of Dave Ramsey getting busted, bringing out his plastic at the Taco Please, Bell. Please, God. Wouldn't that be that fun? Happen. He's at Taco Bell, whips he's out the- He's got a Centurion card. <laughs> he's like, he doesn't even have just like a green card. He's got like a $10,000 annual fee one, you know, with the personal concierge. Please, Lord, make that happen. But I think yes. that's, I think, uh, uh, Len, turning to you, I think what OG's saying, there's a lot of truth there that- Guys like Dave Ramsey know their audience. They know who they're talking to, and they're not preaching to everybody. They're preaching specifically to that audience. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's personal finance. Everybody's different, and you should diversify. If you're reading different personal finance people, read a whole bunch of them. There's all kinds of different opinions, and you're going to find something that works for you eventually. So get that huge flavor. I tend to be probably people look at my blog as being more of a hard ass, basically. So I always put it on back on the person. You know, it's on you, as you could probably tell from this conversation we've had where I talk about logical and how simple it is. And, you know, that's my opinion. And I'm going to appeal to the people who, you know, there's there's people who are going to agree with that. And there's people who aren't, you know, you just need to see everybody. You listen to a broad array of different gurus, quote gurus, and find what works for you. Is that why you brought more voices on your site, Chelsea? Yeah, absolutely. And that's my story is different from a lot of people in that hedge fund income at my age is not normal. <laughs> and getting <laughs> some getting some people in who have different stories just helps give perspective on what, what personal finance can look like for a different range of people. You know, and team, before we get to our big takeaway, the big point for this piece Let's talk for a second about how to make big points with your writing, how to score big points with your writing, that is. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people like you and I improve our writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Grammarly encourages everyone, even the best students and top professionals, to use their tool so you can do your best work and accomplish even more of your goals. So it's a it's a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter. If you're like, well, I got spell check. How many times has spell check <laughs> fallen through the cracks? Grammarly helps you easily improve yourself and your communication at school, at work, and almost anywhere. They help people show their best self through writing, and it's available across all platforms, including online browser extensions. That's what I use. Desktop editor. OG uses the mobile keyboard checker. It's available on all different browsers, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, Edge, and of course, all different platforms, iOS, Android, Windows, Mac. If you go with their free product, it's going to review all the critical spelling grammar that shows up in your writing. But if you use the premium, Grammarly premium, like I do, it looks out for spelling, grammar, plus advanced punctuation, structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions like a business proposal, academic essay, casual blog post, whatever it might be. So accomplish your goals with help from Grammarly. Stop making email typos on your phone. Close more deals at work this year with your email. Polish your resume to get the job done. It's amazing. Grammarly tells me in some ways I'm a fairly good writer. You'd think so after I've been writing for as long as I have. But in other areas, Grammarly keeps reminding me, yeah, that thing you always do, the ellipsis with three dots, you got to stop doing that so much, man. Thank you to Grammarly for that. Oh, and also, Joe, a comma every once in a while, that might be helpful for your readers. Thank you for that also, Grammarly. <laughs> so head to Grammarly.com forward slash SB to get 20% off your Grammarly premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash SB for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. OG, last word on this piece. Four lies money gurus tell you. What do you think? Lies is a strong word. That's my last word. Len? Uh, ditto. That's, you guys are really bringing it. <laughs> we should have had on the Yeti. Bumble? Is that, is that what that was? We should have Bumble on. And that's all he's got. <laughs> <laughs> 
And Chelsea, you're the guest of honor. You get the last word. I think a lot of these things are splitting hairs. I agree. Lying's a strong word for, for a lot of these. It's the same point. We're all trying to help people. As you know, we always get excited when somebody in their 20s writes to us and says, hey, I've got a question about my finances or I'm worried about starting off on the right foot or what do I need to know? It's even more exciting when people start earlier than that, which is why on today's Friday FinTech segment, we're super excited that Eric Redline from Numula is going to join us. Numula is a platform where parents and kids can work together toward reaching financial goals. It's such a playful app. I was excited that he agreed to come down to the basement. So let's say hello to Eric Redline. And coming down the stairs from New Mula, it's our good friend, Eric Redline. How are you, man? I'm doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me. Love the basement. Uh, happy to hear mom's doing well and uh, love the decor. Well, thank you. Yeah, you got to have an affinity for uh, Bon Jovi posters. And if you do... Well, you know, he rocks a pretty hardcore, <laughs> so uh, you can't go wrong with Bon Jovi. It's so funny. I thought, just as an aside, I, I didn't like Bon Jovi stuff at all. And then when I was a financial planner, I took clients to see Bon Jovi. And then I totally got it. Like that guy just understands his audience and completely caters to them, which it's cool because this audience that you're catering to, there's not a lot of people catering to this audience, young people. Let me ask you this. Did you not see enough things in the marketplace when you decided to create Numula or was it uh, you saw an opportunity? Tell me how it started. Yeah, I'm the father of, of three boys. I got a six, a four, and an eight-month-old. So my eight-month-old, you know, he's a financial genius, so he'll be fine in life. But um, now a few years ago, my grandfather was up in town and wanted to buy my son a birthday present. We kind of said, hey, you have to set a budget because kids just get you know, so many toys. And we really just want to give him a perspective on you can't just walk into the toy store and buy whatever you want. And what I realized is my son was able to pick up the idea of a budget be able to look at prices and actually figure out what he could afford to buy. And when I was looking around the marketplace, there wasn't really anything that was getting to that level of teaching kids about money. You know, there's a lot of chore management platforms and allowance payout tools, but there was really nothing focused on the educational conversations that should happen in the household and making it fun. Chores in themselves are not really fun. Paying allowance, so getting allowance okay, that's kind of fun because you're getting money, but then you want to go spend it. And so really the genesis behind Numula was trying to gamify and make fun the conversations around financial education that all too often there's a stigma in the household of like, I don't want to talk about money because I don't understand it or we don't have enough of it or my parents didn't do it with me. So we're, we're trying to just break down the barriers to having conversations, but then connecting that to actual dollars. Well, that's super exciting. Let's dig in. Tell me how it works. Where do I get the new Moolah? Uh, do I get, is it an app? Is it web-based? How does it work? Yeah, we're, we're a mobile platform and we're live in both uh, Google and the Apple app store. So you go check it, check us out, download us at new Moolah. Just search for us in the app store. And the way it works, your parents download the app. The, the parents are the primary driver of the engagement model. They download the platform. They set up the family. They set up uh, what we call missions, which is a version of chores. But missions are, we think, more interesting, more engaging, uh, not quite the stigma, again, of work. But the idea is then the parents will set up allowance as well. And they can pay out the kids for doing things in the platform. So for completing missions, they get paid out. Parents also connect an external bank account to essentially be the funding source by which they're paying their kids for doing things in the platform. And on the, on the kid's side... Uh, the kids can set up goals for the things that they actually want to buy. Uh, so the idea is delayed gratification. You know, not just, hey, I got five bucks for my allowance and I want to go spend it on Pokemon cards. Maybe you want to buy a skateboard or a new bike or maybe even donate to charity. So the kids can set up goals that they want to save for something that's a bigger ticket item, maybe a bigger experience in their life that's important to them. Let me ask a couple of clarifying questions there. If I'm a parent and I set up missions, do I set up just one mission and then the kid moves on to the next mission after they accomplish the first one? Or do I set up multiple missions and junior maybe chooses between four? 
Yeah, you can set up as many missions as you like. And the idea there is, depending upon what you're trying to have the, the child accomplish, you know, maybe it's make their bed every morning or feed the fish. That would be a daily recurrent type of a mission. Or you might have them do something that's more uh, one-off, like clean out the garage during spring cleaning or uh, you know set up a yard sale, something like that. All those things can be managed through the platform. So we try to create a flexible platform that really doesn't lock people into a particular philosophy. We're not trying to force a financial philosophy on families because we know there's a lot of different ways to think about money. We're trying to create a tool that lets people work within whatever ideals they believe in from a money management perspective. And then if Junior wants to, do they then click that they've got it finished and it's ready for parents' approval? Or how do yeah, they... Yeah, that's actually right. Yeah, so they... <laughs> Go in the app, they click complete. Mom and dad get a reminder saying, hey, uh, little Johnny has completed his mission for the day for the week. Do you want to approve it? They can approve it or they can reject it. So if they didn't live up to the standards that mom and dad have set out, hey, you didn't do the military corner tuck on the bed, go back and try it again. Uh, little Johnny would have to go back and do it again. But then once they would approve it, then instantly they get paid out into the child savings account. I was speaking with my co-host on another podcast, uh, Money in the Morning, uh, Bobby Rebel. Her son is at the age where a lot of other kids have phones. She's resisting her her child having a phone. This doesn't sound like, though, Eric, your child doesn't have to have a device. It sounds like mom and dad can just have the device if if you choose. That's right. Yeah, we, we set it up so that uh, you can actually print out the mission so that the kids can actually have it like a physical piece of paper they can manage offline. Uh, and then mom and dad can manage everything. If the kid does have a device or access to a shared device in the household, they can do it themselves. So we, again, we've tried to create a really flexible platform that lets families manage these money conversations, which is really what it's all about for us to just get deeper engagement, both online and offline. You must have seen some fascinating stuff happening with early users that you might not have expected. Do you have any early use stories of things that were maybe surprising to you as a developer? We launched with the more traditional thought of chores and allowance, but quickly we realized that people wanted to use the platform in a broader context. That's really why we ended up moving to this mission idea because chores has a very regimented, very, uh, like I said, very bad reputation you know, for families in general, kids and, and parents alike, and was anti-fun. And so one thing we, we heard that was a little bit surprising was that just change the wording, just change from chores to missions. And now you're making something that is still work, but making it sound a lot more fun and engaging. It makes me think of like Disney, you know, calling employees cast members just adds a exactly. Little, yeah. A little flair to it that makes it a much more of a good time. I know that you're not sitting around that this is it. There's got to be stuff that you're working on in the background. You know, Eric, nobody listens to the show. So if you want to share some secrets about where you're headed next, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, we have a deep and robust roadmap. We're doing a lot of uh, interesting things. Really, our next frontier is building in gamification into the everyday things that people do in the platform. Right now, on the kids' side, they can earn badges for doing missions and for saving up certain dollar amounts for goals and, and things of that nature. But we're actually extending the gamification layer to parents as well. Oh, wow. We, yeah, we really think, you know, hey, they're learning too, and, and they should be rewarded for for being part of the Numula ecosystem. Uh, why not? And so they can get free memberships, uh, they can get rewards, cash prizes, things along those lines. That's really the next frontier that we're focused on. And then down the road, we got a, a whole slew of, of really cool products and services that'll be coming out in later 2019 and in, in early 2020. That's awesome. And is there any fee to use the Numula platform at all? There is. So right now we're, we're charging a $199 per family per month membership. Okay. That's, that's roughly... A, yeah, that's yeah. $1.99. $1.99, yes. Okay. Not, not, <laughs> not $200. Bucks. Now we're, we know we're valuable, not that valuable, at least not yet. So one, yeah, $1.99 uh, every month. And that's just directly taken out of your Numula platform. So try to make it seamless and easy and try to make it pretty low cost for people to get value out of our platform. But I like that too, because it's very transparent how you guys make money. Are there other ways you make money? We do. There's a little bit of revenue share with our banking partner. So the more deposits that we generate for the bank, um, we, we earn a little bit of shared revenue on that. But the primary revenue driver is our premium membership model. Awesome. Try again, trying, trying to keep it clear, keep it easy, and people know what we're about and how much it's going to cost them. Absolutely. The app is called Numula, N-U-M-O-O-L-A. 
And uh, if you're walking the dog or on your morning commute, wherever we got you covered, we'll have the link to Numula on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Eric, thanks a ton for hanging out with us for a few minutes and explaining it to us. That's exciting. Thanks, Joe. I love the basement. Love hanging out with, uh, with you and the fam. And uh, thanks for the time that I appreciate it. trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm craving some Laffy Taffy and Big Red Chewing Gum. Too young to get those references? Yeah, me too. I'm one of the kids like you guys. Anyway, you're probably not going to appreciate today's trivia question because we all, I mean, people as old as Joe and OG all used to get those things and more down at the five and dime on the corner. Don't know what a five and dime is? Holy sh**. Really, people? Get with it. Do I have to explain everything? Think uh, think Walmart, but on a much smaller level. In fact, when Sam Walton opened his first Walmart, it was to compete with local five and dime stores in little towns. A big first mover in that category was a company called Woolworth, which opened their first store, and here's your trivia question, on today's date, in what year? Okay, so let me make that simpler for you. To recap, Woolworth opened the first store Today's date, what year? I'll be back with the answer and maybe a mouthful of Pop Rocks and Coca-Cola in just a moment. Anybody ever done the Pop Rocks and Coca-Cola? Yes. Yes. Chelsea has no idea what the hell we're talking about. (laughs) Nope. Nope. This is all gibberish. Pop Rocks. Pop Rocks are? I know what Pop Rocks are. But oh, the Woolworth okay. five and dime, you've lost me. No. <laughs> You're kidding. Oh, oh my boy. God. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's like five below, which is, I was thinking about that the other day. That's going to be the thing that we tell our kids. Like, oh, remember when we used to be able to go to five below? And it's like, what was that? Oh, everything was $5 and under. Did and, it, you know, there 100 were, years ago it was. There really is a store called five below now? Uh, yeah, dude. Yep. Well, I'm still stuck on the dollar. I'm stuck on the dollar store. Which oh, I, which I was yeah, thinking I like the dollar store too. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Like the dollar store. Sorry, I'm a little upper, I'm a, high, a little higher class than you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, <laughs> but <laughs> we don't go to the dollar store. The dollar store would be caught dead. I don't there. want to be so pompous as to say, you know, but, uh, turns out we, we, we really only go to the $5 store, Joe. A friend of mine goes to Costco and calls it the hundred dollar store. Cause you never it get out of there without store. less than a hundred bucks. There's a $10 store at the, uh, at one of the, the local airports. 500. That's that, that's airport inflation right there, Len. Yeah. But it's everything in the, in the store is $10. Are you, <laughs> are you sitting down? My mother-in-law called yesterday to say that the dollar store near her was going out of business and everything was 40% off. And could she get us some stuff? I'm like, no, <laughs> please do not. Yeah. Now we're good. Of- <laughs> we're good. I didn't know if you guys would ever need any lanterns. So I got that. Some citronella oil and uh, a lot of hula hoops. <laughs> ton of hula hoops. Bought them all out. All right. We explained the very complicated rules to Chelsea backstage. Chelsea is playing on behalf of Paula today. And OG's keeping score. What, what's our score so far this year, OG? Uh, Len has won one time. Congratulations, Len. Actually, Len oh, won the really first great. time. And he's yeah. still celebrating the fact he won the first time. <laughs> still wow. celebrating. Paula has won two times so far this year. And... um I might have won four times so far. There it is. Yeah. So, Chelsea, so, we got some catching up to do. It's only February. Len, That's right. Len is planning his comeback strategy. He and his magic, <laughs> he and his magic eight ball both planning their comeback strategy. If you're uh, not first, you're last, Len. That, uh, yeah, that's right. Is. I'll be last for a while, it looks like. Today's the day, Len. Today is the okay. day. Would you like to choose first in the middle or last when it oh, comes to the date? I got to go date? last. I got to uh, go last. At not his first rodeo. Chelsea, middle or first? Middle. Not her first rodeo either, which means, OG, you're picking first. What year did Woolworth Five and Dime open their first store on today's date? Good question. So we are saying that uh, we're going to pick a year and and just for the rules, because I always get confused on the year ones. If I said 2016 and they opened in 2017, I hadn't gone over yet. That's correct. You haven't so gone over. Two, under. 2018 okay. would be over. Yeah. Would be over. That's correct. Okay. All right. So, all right. So, I got to think that Walmart is 
It's not a hundred years old. Well, this isn't Walmart. It's Woolworth. I'm just I'm working <laughs> okay. through it, man. I just wanted to make no. sure you heard Doug I correctly. The, I got that. I'm just working through it here. So, so five and dime sounds a lot like something you'd say like in the twenties and thirties. Woolworth. And I know like Sears has been around a long time. I'm going to say Woolworth opened its first store on today's date in 1876. 1876. Chelsea? So the only time I've ever heard Woolworth mentioned was in a book pre-Great Recession. So I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with the prices right strategy of one over OG of 1877. Wait, <laughs> she's playing strong. That's Darn. my kind of girl. <laughs> that is, that is uh, that's the first time I think anybody's really ever done that. Like, <laughs> like most of us know we could do that, but we had most that of the guests, strategy here, be okay? Back. The ones that want to be invited back. No, <laughs> got to play the game a little bit. But okay. No, no, that's fair. That's, hey, the rules are the rules. So you're playing by the rules. I, I, I applaud that. Let me guess, Len. I've got an idea what you're, you're going to pick, but go ahead. Well, this is getting cutthroat. So this is ridiculous. This makes no sense. I'm way behind. This makes, I'm sorry, Chelsea, but I'm going to go 1878 just because oh, that opens up. That opens up the whole, right? Does that not mean I get everything up to, to 2017? You get everything. Everything up till 1878. Present. Surprise, Woolworth opened 18, in 2018. I mean, 1870. This is, it's, so it's either me or nobody. So, well, unless I, I guess got it's, it right. Unless you got it right on the money or Chelsea got it right on the money. I'm would, feeling good about this one, Joe. I think it'd be so funny if it were 1876 or 1877. <laughs> Or, or maybe 75. That's what I was going to say. I thought it would be funny if it was 1875. <laughs> when we're not making episodes of Stacking Benjamins, I tend to listen to podcasts that have not a lot to do with business, except when I go out in the middle of the day, in which case then I will listen to business-oriented podcasts. One I'm addicted to even during the times when I normally am listening to fiction or to storytelling podcasts, I've been listening to Power Moves by New York Times bestselling author Adam Grant, and that is available on Audible. You can get it for free when you sign up for a free Audible trial at audible.com slash Power or text Power. I love how they put that together there, Power to 500-500. It's just fun to say, Power. In Power Moves... Adam interviews two dozen major CEOs and leaders to talk about how power is changing today and the best ways to use it effectively. And I find Adam's style brings out the best and practical ideas and insights from people like Sheryl Sandberg from Facebook, Satya Nadala from Microsoft, Mary Barra from our hometown company here, General Motors, David Solomon at Goldman Sachs and more. In a time of shifting norms and increasing distrust in institutions, Power Moves offers lessons in hope and true stories of how to create positive change. I have been eating it up, even on the weekend, when I usually don't do any business podcast. I try to remember it's a marathon, not a sprint, and now Power Move makes me want to sprint and fills my head with ideas, not just for this show, but also for just all the things that I do in business. Power Moves by Adam Grant is available now on Audible. Get it for free when you sign up for a free Audible trial at audible.com slash sbpower or text sbpower to five to 500, 500 I better not lose this or I'm going to be really irritated. You feeling pretty good about 18... <laughs> you feeling pretty good, Len, about 1878? You're feeling good that you squashed the competition. I'm telling you, how many years do I have? I have 1878, 1879, 1880. You're not, da, da, you're da, not da, about da, to da, All the way to 2018. I can't lose. Or 2019, as it were. Or 19. Yes. Chelsea, how do you feel about starting this monster now? <laughs> I feel great. This uh, Doug, what do we got? 
Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and Joe's mom was just telling me stories about her first five and dime experience. I nodded my head and pretended to understand what she was talking about, but soda fountains and nickel jukeboxes just a little before my time. I'm not going to give away my age, but let's just say that this members-only jacket comes in handy down at the Sizzler. Know what I mean? Here was today's trivia question, though. Woolworth Five and Dimes pioneered the category, and the first one opened in what year? If you answered the year Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, you'd be correct. Oh, too obscure? How about the year that the British and the Zulu fought what the British called the Zulu War? That's got to be obvious, right? I mean, everybody knows that year. Okay, that's too obscure, too? All right, fine. If you said 1879, then you'd be correct. Fine. Happy taking all of the fun out of this. I'm telling you, Joe, they suck the life out of me. I'm sure you're thrilled. Go get yourself some Wonka chocolates and a moon pie for your big win and get out of here. I want to know. So I want to know honestly from the other two people, notwithstanding that I kind of anchored you with 1876 right out the gate. I was going to say World War One. I knew it. Chelsea, were Chelsea's you thinking? Probably, she's pretty smart. She's got it. She's she's going to. I had no idea. I was going to go 1890. <laughs> it's fun to just go one of them. Yeah. It was amazing. I owe, I owe this one all to Chelsea. I owe it all to you. <laughs> It was amazing to watch you guys as like a runway right up to it. It's <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. All right, Len, I, just one get, more I gave you the tick mark. The picks, yep. the picks weren't that tight since the uh, barrel jumping question. The barrel they jumping all, question. Yeah, they were all bunched up. The infamous. Well, I give you your tick mark there, uh, Len. So now you're only uh, down by two. Yeah. <laughs> He's tied with Paula now, though. That's right. So that's Sorry, good. Paula. There you go. Hey, guys, let's take out the magnifying glass and help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to you courtesy of MagnifyMoney.com. When you head to StackyBenjamins.com forward slash MagnifyMoney, you know what you'll find? You're going to find that those financial products you use every day, they're nowhere near the best in class. Over 92% of the products available online are all ranked at Magnify Money. Head to StackyBenjamins.com forward slash MagnifyMoney for more. In fact, you'll find, you'll find whether you're in debt and worried about paying too much interest to the man, or if you're somebody who's looking to refinance the student loans, or if you pay off your credit cards every month, playing the credit card reward game, it's all there. Today, we're going to help out our new friend, Scott. Say hi, Scott. Hi there, Joe and OG. I've started saving up to purchase a townhouse and would like to do so in the next 15 months or so. However, it'll take me about 24 months to save up enough money to have a 20% down payment and be able to cover closing costs. I would like to purchase sooner rather than later to make it easier for my family to come and visit me, but I want to make sure that I make the right financial decision. How can I go about deciding between waiting extra time and having a 20% down payment and purchasing sooner but having a lesser down payment and having mortgage insurance premium payments? This would be my first house, so I know that I'm eligible for some level of deal out there in terms of special loans. Uh, I wanted to get your guys' opinions on it, but I promise not to learn anything. I really enjoy the show. Thank you. Thanks for the question, Scott. And Chelsea, we'll start with you. What do you think? Does he wait longer and get the 20% to avoid PMI or go early? So nine months isn't a huge difference. I generally prefer 20% if you can get there. The only question is, what will his mortgage be after he gets it, if he does it in 15 months? And could he just apply in the 24 months to have the PMI removed if he'll be saving a little bit on his living expenses and can dump it towards the mortgage until he gets that 20%. Do you have any think about any risk there? You're somebody that worked in the bond department. We're in a rising interest rate environment. Any worry about what happens to interest rates during that nine months? Yeah, you could probably see it go up, but probably not as fast as we always you know, expect it to, maybe a quarter percent, half a percent, but nine months difference is probably not going to be huge. Len, any more advice for Scott? Chelsea says, probably wait. Yeah. I, the first thing I, I thought of was nine months. It's like, yeah, just wait, wait the nine months. I don't think interest rates are going to be going up much more. I think the Fed has signaled that they are going to relax raising their Fed funds rate, which uh, the mortgage rates key off of that in the 10 years. So I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I do remember, though, back in the day, I remember watching interest rates on a weekly basis. I mean, it can be important when interest rates are higher. You know, a lot of people, when they're right on that hairy edge, I mean, an eighth of a point increase uh, 
can make the difference. So, but, but I would wait. That's uh, nine months doesn't seem like a long time. But you remember those days, OG, nine months felt like forever to get your first house. I'll give you some practical information about this PMI deal too, because we, we did that. We put 10% down on our last house with kind of that same mentality. Like, well, first of all, the housing market in our area is appreciating like gangbusters. We're paying extra on it. So we'll be killing the principal anyway. So big deal. It'll all work out. Fast forward about a year. I called the mortgage company and I said, Hey, you know, we've got now 20% equity in our house. If you just use the last tax record, which is arguably a smidge more conservative than, you know, the realistic appraisal. And we've paid down all this principal. So we had to pay $800 to have somebody come out and reappraise the house, which interestingly, it appraised for the same number that you could have flipped and Googled on Zillow. So that was a really impressive appraisal for $800. After we paid the appraisal for $800, they said, oh gosh, you're just so close, guys. You need to be at 75% and have that house for two years. And I said, well, no, it says 80%. They said, well, if you buy, it's 80%. If you're getting it through a refinance or a pay down, it's 75% equity position. Also, you got to pay PMI for, for two full years before we'll even consider it. So then fast forward another year. So now it's been two years. Now we definitely have 75%. Hey, can we use this appraisal? No, no, no. It's a year old. We need a new appraisal. Well, but the housing market's gone up. It stands to reason that it's this number or more, right? So should, nope, here's another $800. Anyways, long story short, it's not as simple as just picking up the phone and going, hey, get rid of PMI. There's also some loan programs out there in which you can never get rid of PMI, where it's just, it's just part of the loan. You're there's there's no option. The only option is to refinance it all together. So if you were saying, hey, I can put 5% down or I can wait five years and maybe get 20%, well, then that's a different calculation, I think. But if you're inside of a year, just do yourself a favor. Don't look at any houses. We were talking earlier about behavior. Don't walk into any houses yet. Don't do any open houses until you're about six months away from being ready to go. And then you can start the process of, of looking. In the meantime, bank all that extra money and one of the things that we've said before, I think is really important. Whatever you think your new mortgage payment is going to be, if it's if it's more than what you're paying right now, you should start paying that to yourself right now. Because, you know, if you're paying $1,000 a month right now, but your mortgage payment is going to be $1,500 all in, just get used to that extra $500 a month cash flow shortage, so to speak, and build that into your budget today. So you've got two years to work on that too. I can tell you that uh, two days after we bought our first house uh, was the worst winter in Boston. And we had an ice dam run from our attic through our bedroom, through our foyer, and all the way into our basement that didn't get fixed until May because it was so backed up with all the work. So homeownership is not always... It's not all it's cracked up to be. Cut and dry. (laughs) Uh, Just another thing to keep in mind when you're considering PMI and not waiting that extra nine months. Well, I love that, Len, what Chelsea's talking about, because, you, you know, you look at statistics. I think, did you talk about this once on your blog about how people move around jobs way more than they used to? So the chance of you, of that house being worth it is a lot less than it might have been when you and I were starting our first jobs. Yeah, that's for sure. And if you're going to move around from place to place and your company isn't going to reimburse you, you know, you're, you're putting up some risk there, right? So if you're going to buy a house and after the closing costs and everything, you know, you got to make sure if you're going to move within a year or two, you could lose some money. So, so you got to, uh, you got to watch it. Yeah. You got, you got to know you're going to be there for a while. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So we, uh, another thing about our house, we wrote on the blog about how buying our house cost us a hundred grand in net worth. Uh, so I track everything with YNAB. And when we sold the house, we bought it in 2014 for $545,000. We sold it, uh, last year for six forty, and still managed to lose 50 grand in cash between real estate and basically every major system in our house broke during the time that we owned it. And then if you had just invested that money and I actually asked our real estate agent to go back and give us rent, if we'd like rented comparable single family homes. And if we invested the difference, we'd have been a hundred grand higher in net worth after owning our home for four years. So, Oh, that's painful. It was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't need to do that math. And that's in a rising market. That's in a hugely rising yeah, market. I mean, imagine if the market was just sitting steady or falling. I don't, imagine I don't if you bought your that. first house in like July 2005 in Metro Detroit in a brand new Pulte subdivision. And then, you know, imagine that happened. 
the, the uh, yeah, yeah, I can just imagine. Uh, well, between, it was awesome. I mean, a friend of mine <laughs> said it was awesome. <laughs> between, between OG's story and Chelsea's story and uh, Len's uh, stuff, Don't I think. Don't feel bad. I bought at the top of Southern California market in 19. I mean, I couldn't have timed it any better. Two months from the top, I bought my house and I was upside down for seven years. It, it was miserable, miserable experience. So wait nine months or five years or just keep renting. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yep. Right. Be patient. Scott, I think we're on the fence about this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a question for the show like Scott does, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And Scott is taking home a Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt. We'll be sending him a code here shortly for that. All right, that's going to do it for today, guys. So let's talk about what's happening where you live. OG, any big plans this coming week? Mm, big thing going on today and tomorrow for me. My after-school activity has a little bit of a... Uh, get together, so to speak, a little, a meeting. So I'll be doing that. It's just starting to ramp up again for a period of time. So I'm excited to get back into my after school activity. Awesome. And, uh, Len, I am headed to see the Detroit Red Wings play hockey tonight. Awesome. I know it's going to be great. Uh, but you're bringing it, you're bringing an octopus. What's <laughs> just to throw just something to throw on, the on the ice. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, there's lots of, lots of things I've considered doing, but that was never one of them. I'm like, okay. Yeah. You probably wouldn't be watching the game line after you did it either. But probably, yeah. Probably miss out from that point on. Uh, what's going on at lenpenzo.com? Uh, well, let's see. I got a, uh, I got something on smart menu planning. I'm sure everybody's just interested on how Len Penzo does a smart menu planning. So come on by if you want to see, uh, Hey, I'm saying what I'm, I listed what I'm eating for the next two weeks. Len I've Pen- also notified the server farm that that uh, controls my blog, told them to get ready for all the extra hits that are going to come because of that. <laughs> it's going to be a huge article. The Rice cakes. Oh, my God. This is going Amazing. viral. All you're going to find out when you go to LenPenso.com is the honeybee takes care of it. <laughs> Len takes care of none of it. Actually, that's not true, Joe. That I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm just spreading rumors. Okay. Chelsea, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for having me. Well, what's going on at uh, Smart Money Mamas? Uh, we recently published a 12,000 word post on holy a start- holy. <laughs> starting a effective business from home uh, for everything from like coming up with your idea to branding and marketing. Uh, so that was really exciting. We're working on promoting that. And tomorrow we've got a joint birthday party for my sons turning one and three. And you still have hair. For now, for now, in in, in the last week, in the last week, the three-year-old has dislocated his elbow twice and the one-year-old has a double ear infection. So we're just winning over here. Oh my gosh. So is that that nursemaid's elbow? Is that what they, did they show you how to do it? How to fix it? They did, but now if it happens again, we got to go in and get x-rays because Uh, it shouldn't be coming out this easy because it came out twice in four days or whatever. Wow. So were they born on exactly the same day, two years apart? Uh, no, they're 23, exactly 23 months apart. Wow. That's cool. And that's all at smartmoneymamas.com. And we'll have a link to Chelsea's site as well as Len's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I don't this even. going to go viral. I can't wait I can to just see, see this meal planning. This is, is going to go everywhere. Rice cakes and peanut butter. But <laughs> Don't give it away, OG. <laughs> Take it from Ice here, water. Doug. Please save us. What should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, money gurus? Sure, they might stress some points over others, but try to find the good stuff. By listening to several so-called gurus instead of just one, it's easier to see where the truths lie and not get caught in somebody else's one-off bias. Second, take some advice from Eric Redline of New Moolah. Gamifying kids' chores can make them fun and make teaching money easier for mom and dad. But the big lesson... Don't tell OG about Pop Rocks and Coke. That guy's hogging them all now, and he's foaming at the mouth like he's some kind of stray dog. Come on, man. Special thanks to Chelsea Brennan. You can find more from Chelsea at her site, smartmoneymamas.com. Another big thanks to Eric Redline. You can find more from New Moolah at their site, newmoolah.com. That's spelled N-U-M-O-O-L-A. And, of course, through our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. And special thanks to Len Penzo from lenpenzo.com. 
This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. What are you still doing here? The show is over. Go home. Wikipedia says 1878, and I think in Doug's thing you said 1879. It's 1879. I I Telling have it. You what Wikipedia says. Well, I win no matter what, right? Yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. I still win, don't I? Right yes, on sir. the money, or yeah, but you're right on the money. That's my point. Is that it's even it's even better. But okay, good. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not I'm not going back and changing. If somebody wants to complain about that, <laughs> like holy crap. Uh, Joe, I'm a one-star review. <laughs> I wonder if anybody's going to write in and actually check that. Yeah. Recently on the trivia, the Stucky Benjamin <laughs> show, <laughs> I can totally see that one-star <laughs> review. Somebody they, just go edit the Wikipedia post. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's probably don't, easier. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. Anyway. <laughs> Edited by average Joe Money. <laughs> yeah, and make the verification the Stacky Benjamin show. The Stacky Benjamin show? <laughs> yes, that'd be awesome. Thanks that again, was Jesse. Your show, by the way. Oh, also that that, that, that was video our after you show. Sent for the after show was disgusting. Wasn't that disgusting? I know <laughs> it was so bad. Bye. All right, we'll we'll see you guys later. But that was your that was your after show right there. That was. I know about the trivia. Steve just heard it. Make it happen, Steve. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month, and I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law Eric who is such a giving person, Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website. Resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.